Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the first installment of Love at First Psych, the Psych Rewatch First Watch podcast. My name is Jay Christie. I'm a longtime Psych fan. I watched the first episode live as it aired. And joining me is my good friend, who has never seen an episode of the TV series Psych, Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? Jake, my God, it's been a long time. Um, I'm great. Doing good. I'm very, uh, let's just say, psyched to uh, embark on this journey with you. Yes. For those of you who don't know, we embarked on a journey previously on a show called No Funk and Strictly Munkin that had the exact same conceit, but with the USA Network original show Monk instead. You may be like, guys, you're doing the same thing, but with the show that aired directly after Monk, isn't that the least creative thing you can do? And the answer to that question is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah. So if you're a fan of that will... show, you'll be a fan of this one. And I'll just remind you that I had no idea that we followed each other back to back. So, you know, it's all, it's all new to me. I thought Burn yes. Notice was after. No, Burn Notice, I believe, aired. It didn't air on Fridays. And then eventually Psych moved to another day. I forget when, but um, eventually it did. But Monk aired on Fridays throughout its whole run. Um, but we're not talking about Monk. And if you didn't listen to No Fun and Strictly Mungan, welcome. I hope you enjoy this. Um, if you have watched the show Monk, you should listen to that because... We do no funkin' whatsoever on that show. It's, it's strictly Munkin'. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument there's a little bit of Funkin', but it's all in the you, spirit you of could, You could make the argument it's a good 30% Funkin' on any oh, given episode. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, but of course, you know, we would never, ever do that with this show. Not with Psych. You know, not... Psych is... It's something like Psych will give us opportunities to talk about pieces of pop culture. It's not even like it's a pop culture-heavy show or anything like that, you know? Um, anyway. Well, this episode actually isn't, started, surprisingly. Before, but, before we get started, just give us a little bit of background about when you first watched it. Like, of what course. did you think about I it? Was, did you watch it every Friday and, like, until yes, it ended? or Never missed an episode. So, let me set the scene. It was uh, June 2006, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. and let me just double check that it was when it was first aired, June 2000, no, July, July 2006, I was you visiting Gordo. no, 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 because I had moved down to Punta Gorda, Florida in Ju- uh, June of 2005, and this was the next year, it was the first year where we all traveled back up to New York to see family, what have you, so I actually was in the basement of my cousins, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, the one cousin who will be listening, we were in their basement, watching Monk and then Psych, because they were also fans. And so it was in that basement, in Congress, New York, that I saw this episode of Psych, and then I watched it basically religiously until it was over. It, thankfully, for these purposes, ended right before I went to college, because obviously keeping up with TV regularly in college is hard. Um, but yes, it ran from 2006 to 2014, which for me was very formative years, I was 10, I think, when it started, and I was 18 when it was 17 when it ended. So, um, you know, it started in 2006. Yeah, I was 19. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's not do this thing again where you realize that you're almost a decade older than me. <laughs> we did that too many times on the monk yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so okay, if you were to, I know this is like a really crazy question to ask right off rip, but mm-hmm. if you were to which show do you like more, Monk or... I like Psych like, more. Because I think Psych is... It's more fun. I think it's also more consistent. Where I think Monk eventually... 
Greg's. Uh, the, the thing I will say about Psych, which is, I think, a testament to its greatness, is I think my favorite two episodes of it are episodes, mm-hmm. I think, one and two or two and three of season six. And I don't think that there are many shows you can say that the best episodes are in early season six. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not a thing that most shows you can say about. So I think it really picks up. And it's just like the humor in it is you'll get it comes into its own and really leans into things that I think are both you and I's like Sean and Gus eventually have conversations that would not be out of place on an episode of this podcast about pop culture. So like, I think that that's, so yeah, it's a very important show to me. Uh, and yeah, cause I, I started watching it from the beginning and, um, I really love these characters. And the funny thing about it is, and before we get into the pilot, uh, this is like really another case of this pilot is very different than what the show is. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. that until we get I'll, to I'll, I'll, I'll let you take a guess. One of the main cast members in the uh, in the pilot does not return in episodes two. Who do you think it is? Uh, the male detective. No, that is Carlton Fe- Laster, and he's a mainstay, and I love him. <laughs> Female detective. Yes. Yes. They, she okay. was recast because I think she tested poorly. And I will just say, there is the thing that sticks out most in this pilot. And he was one of those two, though. That Lassiter becomes a character that him having an affair with a subordinate is so deeply out of character, it makes no sense whatsoever. And when you get later in the show, you basically have to forget that that happened because it makes no sense with what the character becomes. But anyway. Um, okay. He's great. I love him. Uh, but yes, she's the one who's replaced, and she's replaced with uh, Maggie Lawson, who plays Detective Juliet O'Hara, who is wonderful, and uh, sorry, and Dudek, but uh, sucks to suck, you, bye-bye. The show's better without you. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Let's start off. It starts off in 1986. Good year, the oh, best man. one in the World Series. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't catch that part. Um, so yeah, it starts off in 1986. We're at some sort of uh, diner, it appears, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. um, it's it's we're we're getting a glimpse into the past life of uh, Sean Spencer and his father, which I don't recall what his first Henry. name is. Henry, Henry Spencer. Yeah, and so the dad is kind of like grilling him because it's obvious that this kid has some sort of gift, let's just say, or some sort of mm-hmm. I don't want to say savant, uh, but he has great powers of observation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you just start to see, like, how his brain works. It's, like, honestly, like, it's very monkey. Uh, yes, like, very much of, so. Yeah, it's very much like that. And he, he like, asks him, like, to guess how many hats there are in the room, makes him close his eyes, and he, he guesses it correct. Yes. And, it is, yeah, and it's very clear that Henry is training him in some way. And we see that Henry's a cop. Um, you can infer maybe he's training him to be a detective. I, I was making the subtext text. Um and I'll tell you this, we do see, there are flashbacks at the beginning of every episode, I think, for the first six seasons. This is the mm-hmm. only time that this particular kid plays young Sean. And then there are two other ones. Both of them have had relevant film careers. So I'm excited just for you to see who, one of them leaves because he becomes too big in movies. And then the other one comes in and you're like, oh, this guy's a replacement. And you know what? I think the second one's a better actor. But anyway, we'll get to it. Um, Interesting. So yeah, we get, we get to that. And then we cut to Sean Spencer getting busy with a waitress. You know, it's the way you want all your characters to be introduced. Um, but he's not hes not super focused on what's going on, you know, with her. He, something catches his eye. Yeah, you know, this is like, uh, <laughs> this is the, the direct opposite of, okay, 
a funny observation just off the off bat off the bat or is it off bat off the bat off the bat but it who cares um is that like i guess usa had some sort of obsession with people who want to be police but can't be police or aren't police it's a great formula because you can have them solve mysteries without the constraints of being police officers. And in Correct. fact, in That's this day true. and age, in this day and age, I think it's actually a very good thing because, you know, maybe you want to have people solve mysteries without having to think about uh, some of the, some, some the darker sides of police. Some of the work. malfeasances occurring. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's, in my opinion, it is a tried and true formula. I unironically think that almost any show where you have interesting character and then you say they solve mysteries, like, Fucking Fox had the show that was the devil, but he solves mysteries of the police. I mean, great. I'm sold. I watched five seasons of it. What do you, what do you want from me? Yeah. Uh, Married with Children was a great show. Uh, it was. But did, did, but did, um, did, what's his face, Bunker, uh, not Bundy, Al Bundy, did he, uh, did he solve mysteries? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He solved the mystery of uh, what caused the jock itch in his underwear. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's, he, like you said, you know, he's getting busy, he's getting it in. Um, but yeah, he's distracted Mm -hmm. by uh, a case on the television and, um, it's about some sort of a break in at uh, some store called visions. I want to say, yeah, it's like a, it's not important, but he basically notices that the store manager who's being interviewed is clearly lying. Yes. And apologies to, to the audience. Uh, if we're a little bit rusty, we're just getting back into the mix, you know, it's like. Like I, I, I appreciate you saying that, but that implies that we were ever a well-oiled machine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, you know, he's she's interested in uh, in some handcuffs. Unfortunately, as he is not an officer of the law, uh, he doesn't have any. Although he could have easily just uh, no, he does. No, you missed that. You missed the joke. She said, "Oh, I was hoping you have some handcuffs," and he says, "No, don't worry, I do." You know, but then he goes okay. into the precinct. And this is another thing that I'm fascinated with pilots, and I'm sure you've noticed this if you've ever rewatched a pilot or a show, where because pilots are filmed with basically a completely different production schedule than regular things, it's very common for a pilot of a show to use a set that is not used in the rest of the show. And so a lot of times they'll use a real-life location and then build Mm -hmm. a set when the show's picked up. My favorite example is that my favorite show of all time, Community, the pilot was shot in like an old Wachovia bank, and then they built a new set when... They got picked up. And I will say that this uh, precinct is not anything like what is actually in the show. Um, they eventually built, I believe, a set in the city of Vancouver, which you'll eventually re- recognize is very not, very much not Santa Barbara. That explains it. Because I was going to say, where the hell did they film it? It looks like super rainy. And I mean, yeah, uh, I think they did some stuff in Santa Barbara for the pilot, but basically everything else is filmed in Vancouver. Okay. And like Monk was filmed in like Long Beach. Uh, Monk was filmed in uh, Los in Angeles. LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Long Beach for like some of the houses. Yes. Um, yeah. Full disclosure, I, you know, as if you're tuning in for the first time, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. I've always been a California kid. Have never been to Santa Barbara. Never in my life. Not once. Yeah. It's you and you and Lil B, the base god. You're both California boys. Um, <laughs> and so... Yeah, so, no, I'm just yeah, I, I'm just, I'm super curious to see like how much of this actually takes place in Barbara. It and almost none of it. I, was I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to call it out if it was the big thing. Which because I've obviously seen photo comparisons, the biggest difference is just that like Santa Barbara's coast is not really rocky, and Vancouver's coast is 
so rocky it looks yeah. like Sylvester Stallone's IMDb. I so know yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we're on the we're, we're not rusty. We're on the same fucking wavelength. So first, he walks in and he's he's observing things. We see the the police officer behind the desk has some superstitious stuff. We see a character that I know now is named Buzz McNabb dancing, and then there is the guy who's you know handcuffed with bloodthirsty tattooed on his forehead. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. he's he he apparently busted up his ex wife's car. Um, and Sean tries to help him out a little bit. Wrong. His ex-wife's boyfriend's car. Right. So I, my apologies. Yeah, no, it's okay. I got to take advantage of every time I, I get a chance. to catch You got it. Something. You got it. Um, yeah. So I, I forget, like, why is he there in the first place? Just because he has a, a clue to the, to, no, to he's being he called in because they earn, they think that he's involved because they're, they want to, oh, he called he, it in, right? He, yeah, he thinks he's being called in to get like a reward, but he's actually being called in because they're like, how the hell did you know this? Yeah. So they bring him into, inter- into the interrogation room and he is the lead suspect because, uh, judging by the amount of information that he has and mm-hmm. has explained to them, it appears that like, Possibly the guy who he pinned for the crime might have a, a partner, and he's suspected yeah. of being said partner. Yes, because he's you know he's he's never held a job down for more than six months. He has a criminal record. His father arrested him when he was eighteen, and he, so it just it doesn't really seem like he's the type of guy. Like what w- what's going on here? And Carlton Lasseter, the thing that stays the same is he's no nonsense. You can just tell by his haircut. You look at that haircut and you're like, this dude takes no nonsense whatsoever. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, I will give it up to the uh, costume department. They dress them up like true detectives, like on a, any other show. Even though they're like yes. a little bit more by the beach, but you know, it doesn't matter. The, the thing about Carlton Lasseter is that nothing about him suggests that he's anywhere near the beach. So we have this interrogation scene, and this is where Sean notices that there's some might be some hanky panky going on between the two detectives, um, and he as they're about to arrest him throw him in the holding cell this is when he does the hail mary pass which creates this entire series you know like that's the thing that this whole show only exists because the decision that he makes in one moment because he knows that the that the the cop who's gonna put the handcuffs on him is superstitious so he says that he is a psychic yeah he uh no i have a question yeah. How, did you what did you know about the conceit of the show going in? Um literally he's a psychic and it takes place in Santa Barbara. So you didn't know that he was faking being a psychic? No. I mean you might have mentioned it but I, I mean so we've had so many conversations over the yeah. last 3 years that I yeah. it just yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was like something in between times talking about Zodiac. We I might have mentioned it. But um or someone getting yes. cucked or like monk fucking his exactly. dead wife. Exactly. Ghost. Uh, ghost, ghost, the ghost. things that the things that we talk about. Uh, but so he it is honestly in hindsight, it's really crazy that it is just like a split second. That is the because so many shows are about things that are like ongoing. But this is really just one decision. And he ends up doing this for one hundred and twenty one episodes and four movies. So, you know, there's four psych movies. Yeah. Well, I think there's three and then the fourth is coming out soon. The fourth will be out by the time we get there. <laughs> Ooh, shit, but they're, okay. they're, all, they're straight. They're straight to Peacock. Actually, no, two. One of them was straight to USA, and then like their TV movies. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and so uh, the piece of information he uses to prove it 
is that he tells the officer that her grandma would be really proud and stop spending money on charlatans. Um, he mentions that the detectives are sleeping together, and then he asks Buzz McNabb, once again, whose character's name you don't know in this episode, but I know that that's I was going to say, like, I, yeah, I, yeah, okay. I didn't even the, know I'll say this, this, The superstitious cop is not doesn't come back, I don't believe. I don't think she ever comes back. But Buzz McNabb, I'll say this, he's in the movies. He's, he's, he's still in. He's still in the show. Um, okay, question, question. Does anybody ever mm-hmm. die on the show? Like, in the main cast? No, no. It's, it is, it's very much not that kind of show. In a very good way. It's the thing that I, the, the thing that I think uh, is the key difference between it and Monk is that it's not just literally funnier than Monk, but that for the most part, with there are obviously some exceptions with some episodes, that um the stakes of the episodes are very comedy show stakes. Like you do care yeah. about the murders and stuff, but it's not. It's significantly less serious and significantly less about the actual reality of the murders. It's more, more about, honestly, most of the episodes are about Sean and Gus going back and forth with each other. You know, that's, yeah, that's what, that's the, that's the vibe I'm getting or, go, or, yes. uh, going off of the people involved in the, in the crime, in the, in the, exactly. Case. Yes. Yeah. It's much more character based. Um, the murders they obviously are a lot of times they're really complex and, but they're not, they're not as wild as monk necessarily. It's more about, you know, and eventually becomes, like full on genre movie parodies and stuff like that. You know, as I've mentioned, I think before that there's a whole episode that is entirely a Twin Peaks parody that has like six cast members in it. Like it, it well, this, this episode had one, this episode had one. Who's in, uh, who is, who's in it? Uh, the, the senior McCallum, he's, uh, general, oh. general, uh, Briggs from, uh, the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. Well, he, he is not in the, the episode which is called Dual Spires, uh, which I know yeah, uh, he I wouldn't be because he fucking died in two thousand and eight. Oh well, rest in peace. Um, but rest anyway, in peace to Don S. Davis, who I believe yeah. in a movie, I don't know if it was Con Air or one of those, but I guess his car, like a dead body, falls from the like skies, and he's the one driving the car. Oh right, yes, Dave Chappelle's body falls on his car. Right, yes, yes, uh, Eight Ball, yeah. or I think that was his name. Yeah. I think it is too. Yes, that yes, it's something like that because it was a movie in the nineties. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> this he also gives the clue about the vandal and his left shoe, and so we then this is where we meet Chief. After a bit, we meet Chief Karen Vick, um, played by Kirsten Nelson, um, who is another character that's here to stay. Big fan of Karen Vick. Um, I believe I, it's, I was trying to find information. I think that she just happened to be pregnant when they're making it and they just wrote it, okay, which is yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's just an interesting thing. But I believe then the unfortunate thing is because of the way the pilots are made, I then think that for most of the rest of the first season, she has to wear a prosthetic belly, which must've been really unfortunate after just having given birth to a child. <laughs> but, well, she's probably some experience, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's great. And, um, She's buys into it. She's kind of, you know, reluctantly willing to hear him out. And this is where they get involved in the case of the McCallum family, which is a very, very wealthy family. Yeah. Yeah. They're a very wealthy family. And we'll find out later that it's like a textile family, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, great. So, yeah, Vic is bringing him in to help out in the case. 
And I mean, there's not really much there yet. I no. think right now we just move on to him getting or Gus being introduced. Getting Gus. Burton Gus Guster. What a guy. Okay, question. What the fuck does he do? At Why, why is he there? He's, he's not a cop, is he? No, he's that, that's not the police sale office. That's his office. He's in pharmaceutical sales. Come on. Oh my God. Okay. Did they explain it right there? Because I don't remember. Not really, that. but it's it's not important. It, literally, the only thing you know about his job is that he's in pharmaceutical sales, and he says it like that, which is why I say it in that voice. For, and one one of my favorite lines of the whole show, he says, you know, "Pharmaceutical sales can be sexy." So he's in pharmaceutical sales, um, and which I think is a good job because it is the most boring sounding job in the world. <laughs> it's also yeah, it's a very um, I don't know. After the whole Sackler family thing, it's not the best situation. No, it's not. Yeah, he's you, yeah. You, there, there are no scenes where he's like you know promising kickbacks he's definitely, to doctors. He, he's definitely peddling that stuff to uh, to uh, mm. to the vulnerable crowd in Santa Barbara. Exactly. I, I well, a great thing too is they mention <laughs> it that you know how like shows will just have a, a thing a character always brings up that you never see. The thing about Gus is anytime he doesn't want to do something, he'll always say, "My route. I'm behind on my route." <laughs> And he just, it starts in episode one. He's behind on his route, starting episode How long one. But did he, he last as a pharmaceutical rep? Uh, eight seasons. Um, <laughs> the whole time? Yeah, he's a pharmaceutical sales. Oh my god! Okay, well, this guy must have a lot of free time. Yeah, I, yes, it does strain, strain credulity, uh, but also. It's also integral to the plot that Psych definitely does not make enough money to support two people. <laughs> so, yeah, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, he wants to bring Gus along. And they've been friends since we, they were eight years old, apparently. Yes. And eventually, in a lot of the flashbacks, you see little Sean and little Gus interacting. They're like the best of friends. I honestly think that they are. I'll say this anyone I know who has seen Psych puts them in the top three TV friendships they've ever seen. Like, they are, in my opinion, better than, like, JD and Turk. Honestly, even though I love Community, they're better than Troy and Abed. Like, they are, like, the friends of all friends. And I love them dearly. I see. Okay. Good to know. Um, and so we learned that this Camden guy, Camden McCollum Jr., he crashed a cigarette boat 18 months ago and hasn't been in the newspaper since, which is real strange because he had a pension for getting up to nothing but trouble. Yeah, question. What the hell is a cigarette boat? Is that just like a boat? I don't know. I think, I think it's a type of boat. Yeah, I didn't ask. I, 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 one of those things where you don't want to ask because you don't want to look broke. You know? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look it up. Let me, let um, me look it up. Okay, fine. But right while you do that, so basically the crime essentially is that Camden... Oh, McCollum a cigarette boat is the same thing as a... Go the cigarette boat is the same thing as a go-fast boat, which as you and I, Miami Vice connoisseurs, we both know that what those are. The speed boat? Um, yeah, it, well, I mean, they're go-fast boats. <laughs> It's right, actually man, not. I, I think. Know. I think ghost fast boats are actually faster than speed boats. I believe is the distinction. Like they're. I think that they are made to like do runs. Like they go like two hundred miles an hour as opposed to. Uh, so like, those are the ones uh, that like people smuggle drugs with. Exactly. Or you know you take trips to Havana with Gong Li in the middle of Act Two. You know. Um, that movie wasn't that so, bad. The movie's great, but it's not that bad. Well, Michael people Mann say shit about it. They do because they don't understand that digital cinema is dope. Anyway. Um, so we also learned that Camden was taken with his dog, and this is where we get the first clue. They're going through the trash, and there are one, two, three bags of Berenson's dog food. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's high quality dog food, but why the hell do you have three bags when you only have one dog? And you know what? This isn't the most ironclad defense. Maybe just you want to stock up, you know? Maybe you have Oh, first no, the, the idea it's exactly. That it's not ironclad, but that's why it's all it all comes together. Um and so they come in and Sean as he's wont to do. In fact, both of them are wont to do it. Gus and Sean both do this. He starts crushing on the sister, looking at photos of her, you know, and he, you know, he starts talking about her and she comes down. He's embarrassed, but he wants to know the most important question. Yeah, he wants to know the most important question. Do you have a boyfriend? Which, man, that's just rude. Honestly, I can't I can't endorse that. No, I suppose not. But, um, you know, she's clearly hurting. You know, he was trying Mm -hmm. to take advantage of that. You know, shame on Sean. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, you're yeah. explaining why I don't think it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> She's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's not great. Um, she mentions it's nothing serious, but she also at the same time seems kind of interested in him. Oh, for sure. Bucks. And then in one of my favorite just one-off scenes where Sean is with a sketch artist, he just describes the boyfriend. <laughs> Was that the boyfriend? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He looks like he's about like 50. I know it's not great, but you know, okay, we don't need yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he he, <laughs> he does that, and then they start. He starts to ask a question like, "Who is this Bill guy? Is he a, a bigamist? What's a bigamist, anyways?" A bigamist is someone who with two wives. Oh, I see. Okay, so not a polygamist. It's just uh, exactly. Okay. It's like polygamist is many wives. Bigamist is two wives. Um, okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, he wonders if he's a bigamist, a pimp, or he sells children mm. on the black market. Or he's, he's basically he's trying to make discredit. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then they ask the dad, "How did Junior feel about the dog?" And we learn that he wouldn't go anywhere out without it. And so this is kind of where we're getting. I, I don't know about you piecing it together. It seems like there's a picture. And so the next morning, Gus is awoken. By Sean in his kitchen, who has a theory that no one kidnapped, uh, what is it, Camden McCallum Jr. Correct. He kidnapped himself. Yeah, and uh, apparently the impetus was that uh, Camden never, like, he never really actually tried to clean up, like, his act, essentially. Like, he... You know, he was still a bad guy a lot of the time, you know, just a very a really uh, naughty mm-hmm. boy, let's say. Um, and that his as a result, his father was threatening to cut him off. So this was kind of like a some sort of wake up call. A very John Paul Getty the uh, third exactly. way of dealing with it. Exactly. And but unfortunately, Callum, I mean, Camden lost more than his ear. Um, but. But, <laughs> but, but. Uh he had help from his friend Malcolm Orso, who he apparently had stopped being around about 18 months ago. Wow. Yeah, what a coincidence. I haven't been seen together in the same room, area, anything like that. And so, you know, uh, he uh, this basically Sean shows him a photo of them together, mm-hmm. right? And Or like of them like at some point like hanging out and stuff. And Gus asks him, like, how the hell did he manage to get this photo? And that's when we find out how depraved Sean can truly be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, He's doing Did he the break nasty. into her place? No, I think they they, they hooked up. I what the vibe I got. Was that? Okay, I, I didn't get that. I thought he maybe just broke yeah. in and, and found it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because he mentions that he needed a ride home and a ride home turned into dinner is what he says. Um, mm, I see. Nice. And then we get the- a very important month. thing. 
we get a very important thing, which is another detail about Psych. In the same way that, you know, every Seinfeld episode, they say, has a reference to Superman somewhere in it, whether in the background or in the line. Every single episode of Psych, and this is true, has a pineapple in it somewhere. Yes. Which is why it's on our logo. The The first pineapple of the show. And sometimes they're very obvious. Like, there are plenty of pretty obvious ones. But sometimes... They're in the, sometimes I, I'll have to look it up because frankly, a lot of times they're in like a background or someone's wearing a shirt with pineapples on it. But every single time there's a pineapple. Um, and so shouts that uh, at some point we can maybe have some pina coladas uh, mm. celebrate. I love a good pina colada. Anyway. So. Yeah. So they're they're leaving. I don't forgot where the hell they're leaving, but essentially Gus and Sean get pulled over by the cops and. I guess Sean already has a built-in uh, getaway or like a, some yeah. sort of plan. He basically pulls out his driver's license who just happens to have his father's business card on the back of it. And as anyone mm-hmm. knows in Santa Barbara, you know who Henry Spencer is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we learn that he is not, he, that Sean thinks he's living in Miami, but it turns out he's been back in Santa Barbara for a year. Interesting. And so. Yeah, my, my man loves the beach. Apparently, I mean, can you blame him? The beach is, I mean, you, you know, you're on the West Coast. You know how it is. By the way, I don't um, think we've even mentioned the fact that like the father is played by Corbin Burnson because he hasn't appeared yet. And we'll talk about it. What do you we'll mean? We'll talk about what do you mean? He hasn't been in the show yet. He hasn't been in the uh, wasn't he in the first scene. Yet. Oh, right, right. You're right. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. So <laughs> talk about what, what's your Corbin Burnson take? I apologize. Uh, just mostly as like the racist senator in uh, Tales from the Hood, and then as the dentist. (laughs) Yes, he is. I saw Tales from the Hood for the first time this last October, and he does play a racist senator, or maybe a governor, one of those two. With a gray Um, head of hair. Yes. Uh, But he obviously was famous for L.A. Law, a show I never watched, but I just know. And of course, he is Roger Dorn in Major League, the least interesting of the major characters in that movie. Um, but yeah. So okay. they go, they're spying on the cabin. They find the Orso family cabin. They see the dog, there's some kayaks. They think they got it right, but they're not just going to go in there. They're going to bring the police there. Like to convince the police to come and act surprised, which I'll tell you, this is their general method for everything they do for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to like play the whole psychic angle, basically mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, yes. run from that. And so they have trouble. They're, they're trying to convince Carlton and Lucinda, truly barely remember her name because she's not in the show, um, to believe them. And they're not. They're going into a place like a Mexican restaurant. And Sean just leaves one cryptic message for them. Don't eat the chicken. You know what? As someone, it's been a long time since we've been on the mic. So I'll just say eating chicken in a, well, it's a dangerous proposition. Uh, I don't know if I told you, Jake, For but sure. when I was when I was in Turkey, uh, mm-hmm. ironic, ironically, I was in Turkey and I had chicken, and uh, I ended up getting like a really bad stomach virus. So, yeah, beware the you chicken. Gotta, you only eat where you trust, and if you're gonna have chicken, get it something that's gonna be slow cooked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something like a shredded chicken, you're good because that's good. That's been sitting in a pot for hours. You know, salmonella, sayonara. You know, but mm-hmm. but the thing is, this is not about uh, born a disease that's in the chicken. It's because apparently Billy Camp is working the grill and he's got bad hay fever. You know, 
Which, yeah, Bill Camp, the famous character actor, he, he makes uh, an appearance in this episode, and uh, yeah, he, God, I he wish does have, Bill Camp was in this. Oh my goodness gracious, he does indeed have the worst hay fever ever, and you know the McNab. No, Lasser. McNab is the dopey guy. Who the hell's the dopey guy? The guy who's dancing for his wedding. That's McNab. Oh, okay. Lasseter. Okay, so Lasseter like takes a look in the kitchen and he sees Billy Camp sneezing his fucking head off. And so, Mm. yeah, it looks like maybe he is psychic after all. Exactly. And so that's what they tell him what to do. They go to the cabin. They call for backup. SWAT bombs. Little special weapons and tactics. Um... And the dog comes up, and it's got red around its snout. And uh, Gus thinks it might be some blood. Yeah, he thinks it might be, but Sean just tells him it's probably just the snossages. Snossages! Yes. Uh, they, but they go inside the house, and it turns out there's not. this doesn't look like a fake kidnapping scene. We got two dead bodies, y'all. There's a body, all right. Yeah. But Sean, you know, with his uh, skills for detection, uh, kind of sees a bunch of clues around and, and deduces that there's something else going on here. It doesn't and, appear to yes. be as, as open and closed as a possible murder-suicide. And we do also get one of the better running gags. that A lot of the running gags are not introduced yet, but the running gag of uh, Gus being disgusted by blood and violence, always funny. Uh, Dulé okay. Hill, truly gifted at, uh, yell um, and yes. uh, yeah I mean Dooley Hill is just so good in the show I mean him and then James Roday who now goes by James Roday Rodriguez long story short he went by James Roday because he uh, wanted to get better auditions because he did thought he didn't look you know Hispanic and then eventually he changed it to James Roday Rodriguez when he you know became a notable actor um, I believe he that's went the, it might be the Charlie Sheen route I see exactly um, it was either that, or it might have been also a thing with like Screen Actors Guild. But anyway, he uh, he changed it. Uh, but now he goes by James Roday Rodriguez, um, and so that's why we we'll refer to him as such. But yeah, Dulé Hill and James Roday Rodriguez have perfect chemistry, in my opinion. But anyway, so they think that this the, the police think this is an open opening shut case, and as Sean is wont to do, he's saying to the chief, "I don't know, chief. I think there's more going on here." Yeah, like, why would the kidnappers have, like, fought? Like, why would why would there be such an issue, like, right at the end of it? And there didn't appear to be any sort of uh, exchange or money exchange. No, or, and no ransom. Yeah, no ransom. No. Yeah. yeah, nothing happened. So what the hell changed? Mm-hmm. And so um, Gus asked an important question that you can relate to as a Californian. He asked if they validate. Um, mm, and uh, big time. it's a real struggle, isn't it? Oh, my. Yeah, I don't even want to get into it. How old were you when you realized that that was not a thing that happens in other places? It's not a thing that happens in other places? No. At least in New York, it doesn't. Oh, my God. Uh, well, yeah, because no one fucking drives in New York. No, but even then, like, street parking is is free-for-all. There's no meters either? No, there are meters, but you it's not like you can't get... It's just a meter. You don't... Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so... As Sean's walking out, he wants to talk to, you know, the father. He wants to talk to the father. Uh, and, of course, they're not going to let him because he's not a detective. In fact, he's barely even a consultant. And so Gus and Sean have an argument over who could win in a fist fight. Apparently, the last time they fought was at the Cinnamon Festival. And when Gus was six and had a cast. 
Um, but that anyway. would be a that would be an advantage, though. It would be, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like that. It was, tell me that Jason Pierre-Paul didn't club some guys that one season. And he came back. I mean, yeah. Did you never had a cast? Have you? I've had I've had a walking boot, but never a cast on my arms. Okay. Yeah, that shit is hard. Now a walking boot you could kick some people with, but I also don't think you'd want to because it would hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, cast is like super like. I mean, that's the one thing about the departed that I never understood. It's like when they like slam his like cast arm mm-hmm. like on the pool table, like mm-hmm. why it hurts so much. I don't think it would hurt that much. I don't know. I think it depends on what type of break, but I, you know, I'd at, we'd ask, but unfortunately, uh, they, that character perished, so we can't we yeah. can't say. He had bigger um, problems. He did, uh, and so they're arguing about you know what they're going to do, but they end up leaving, and this is when Sean goes to Henry Spencer's father. And uh, we get a little backstory where uh, it's pretty clear that Sean moved away at some point when he was 18 and never said anything. And so, like, Henry didn't feel like he had to say anything. We get, you know, that his parents are divorced. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I believe his mother first comes back in season three. Got a big guest star playing that role. Um, and they go out to lunch. And, and hold on. Uh, it appears, and it, and it, it appears very obvious that uh sean took his mother's side in in this in this uh in this case oh for sure yes he hates his dad um because his Mm -hmm. dad groomed him to be a cop and he didn't want to be a cop it was basically like that's the long and short of it you know honestly i recoil every time i hear the term groom yeah i know i said it out loud and but thing is it's like that is the word i mean it's just that that word i know i know i know i know yeah um and so they're talking about the case about his whole charade and Henry doesn't think that is, he thinks this is all a bunch of hooey. Yeah. He thinks it's a bunch of bullshit and Sean kind of goes through everything about like how there was no ransom drop and there was like six days with no demands, no ransom note, mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and his dad kind of tries to like, you know, discredit him and, and kind of just make him feel like, you know, mm-hmm. he's not up to the task. Um, calls him soft uh, yep. And then he and then he tests him like the same way that we saw in the opening of the episode, which mm-hmm. he tests him to see how many people have hats in the place, which he deduces is six, to which his dad says close, but actually no. And that's when Sean shows off, you know, just when he shows off that basically there was seven, but the guy with the cowboy hat had just walked in as he was closing his eyes. So therefore walked out. No, it was, it was that the cowboy hat walked out when he was describing the free mustache rides hat. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Which that is a hat that I, I, that of all, I've only seen the pilot a couple times just because it's not in rotation a lot because it's an hour long. Um, Mm -hmm. but the free mustache rides is something that sticks with you. Um, and so, we end up we cut to Gus and Sean at the McCallum offices and they're spying on Katarina and her boyfriend with a duffel bag. And that duffel bag looks like it's full of money, so they follow them. And they break up the obvious ransom drop. Except it's not ransom, it's clothing going to uh, you know, um a Salvation Army or, type of place. Yeah, yeah goodwill. Yes, yeah, so a goodwill. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, uh Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's a very embarrassing classic stuff. Classic, classic hijinks, you know, like this could be in any TV show. Yeah, but to be fair, they did. They were acting very suspiciously. So, you know, I, I'm. Oh, for sure. No. Yeah. 
So. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll wait. Go. Um. So they end up getting, having egg on their face. But Sean has a theory, so he asks Gus to go in to try to get the bag. It's a decoy. And Sean ends up stealing it. And they go back to the pharmaceutical sales office. And Sean shows that there are indents in the bag that are the same that if it was filled with $5 million. I don't like that I did that. Yeah. But, but yeah, and, and, you know, Gus is kind of impressed that he could tell that just from an indentation on the bag. But, you know, obviously he has to know that Sean is that dude. Yes, he is. Uh, the show only works because he is incredibly good at observation. Basically, what Psych does a lot is kind of, it, it's if Monk was, like, explaining to you what was going on. Like, the, the little visual cues, I think, are fun because you don't know what they're going to add up to until they add up. Um, and so... Uh, they um, realize, like, oh, wait, somebody at the house tried to pay a ransom, but why don't the cops know about it? Why were the cops never informed of a ransom? And so um, Sean goes to the police station, and he goes um, to see, what's this character's name? Lucinda something or other. Um, The detective. uh, Lucinda Barry, yes. Uh, Detective Barry, and it's clear they're trying to have some type of flirtation here, I think, and uh, the fact that it doesn't work super well is another reason why she was recast, because, little spoiler alert, uh, James Roday Rodriguez and Maggie Lawson, who played the new detective, dated for like five years, uh, so they definitely have some actual chemistry. Yeah, I did kind of notice that that was kind of what they were leading, like looking at, but... Yeah, and she was fine. She had a long run on Halice's freaking uh wilson's love interest so she she was okay she landed fine uh i would feel bad wilson? if she never did anything again yeah what wilson on i said on house she ended up being uh robert sean leonard's character who the fuck is robert sean leonard the guy from daredevil no i'm talking about the show house right yeah who the hell is robert sean leonard he's on house. house's best friend played by who Robert Sean Leonard, he's the lead of Dead Poet Society. That's not John uh, Robin Williams. I have I've never seen that movie, so I have no idea who the fuck. Robert well, Sean I don't know what to is. tell you. He he's on House. He's he's one of the main characters. A House. I've never seen House either, man. Well, then why? If you mention a show that I've never seen and mention a character's name, I wouldn't say who because I would just assume that I didn't know the character. <laughs> Did I say, you say Yes, you said who. <laughs> Oh, whatever. All right, fine. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yes. So he learns some more about Orso, basically, that before this whole ordeal, he was seen twice in the area because he has a modified muffler. And now, do you know anything about these modified mufflers? Are those the whistle tips? That Bub Rub and Lil Sis were... <laughs> That's only in the morning. You're supposed to be cooking <laughs> breakfast with somebody. It's like an alarm clock. Woo woo. Yeah. I'm Thank so you. see this is the thing. This is why we do the podcast together. Because I'm like, I literally I'm like, I'm gonna bring up the modified muffler because I want to mention Bob Rub. Did you know I was gonna do that? I didn't know you were yeah. gonna do it, but I was gonna do it if you didn't. I was hoping you would. I was hoping you'd pick it up. I'm like, is he gonna know on like one, is he gonna know what whistle tips are? And hopefully if he does, obviously he'll know Bob Rub. 
Uh, Shouts to Bob Ruff, guys. If you don't know who that is, it was an early viral video of a news report, I believe in Oakland, about Correct. whistle tips, which are these things that make your muffler really loud. They really suck. But it was Bob Rub and the Little Sis is who they are credited as in uh, the news report. And they are saying, they're explaining why they like it. And the literal first thing they say is, the whistles go. Woo! Woo! <laughs> and then um, the one I always think about yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I got it on my car. Yeah, I got it on my car. But the thing I always think about is the line, uh, it, that's only in the morning. You're supposed to be up cooking breakfast with somebody. It's like an alarm clock. <laughs> anyway, Bob Rub, great stuff. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I can't imagine he is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I heard. I, I saw an update. Apparently, he's still around, and he's he's very much. Let me see how he's doing. Actually, I gotta look this up. Um, yeah. is he still around? Yeah. Oh, he's still he's still around. He's okay. Okay, good for him. That's what I'm saying. I remember that there's. I remember back in the day, like in like 2010, I saw that like they made like a quote unquote documentary about him, which is mostly him sipping lean out of a cup, which made me afraid. But I'm glad he's okay. Um, chats to Bub Rub. Uh, you're invited on the podcast if you'd like to come on. But anyway, I was gonna say, let's get him on the pod. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you're someone who had any modicum of fame and you want to come on the podcast, you're welcome. But anyway, um, so. They go to the house and they go to speak to Papa, the dad. Uh, what is it? Callum, you know. Um, Callum Senior. Yes, Callum Senior. Whatever Senior. Cam- Camden Senior. Yeah. Camden McCallum is really just like a. It's just not help doing us any favors. Um, no, it's really not. He, he accuses him of killing his son. Little. Uh, what is it? Not patricide. Um, what is that? What what what? Uh, help me out. What's what is uh, Ooh, uh? I don't know. Word for killing one's son would be filicide. Filicide. Uh, yeah, that's not. Doesn't sound that good. So he killed his son. Um, and of course it was an accident. He wanted to rough him up a little bit because Sean. This thing he does where he'll describe what's going on. Gets very theatrical. Um, and uh. He the classic. He was fighting, pushed someone down. They hit their head on a table. Um, I feel like we don't talk mm-hmm. enough about how easy it is to kill someone by pushing them down. Um, you know, a lot of people I die. Think that it happens way. a lot more than we think. Yeah. Oh, it happens like truly, like no joke. Like straight up, the amount of people who die because they just got like punched in the face and hit the ground is like a lot. <laughs> like that's a pretty common way. It was a thing that I actually saw someone tweet about, which I liked. Is I don't know if you've seen Knock at the Cabin yet. Um, the new M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, I have not. I have not. I want to see that though. The thing I like about the thing that some point out, which I like, is that in one of the first bits, when there's like a little scuffle, Jonathan Groff's character f- slips and falls down and hits his head, and he is clearly concussed for the rest of the movie because the movie takes head injuries seriously. <laughs> like he's really in a bad way because it's like, oh, if you hit your head on the ground and get knocked out, that's just. It's not like you just wake back up and then you're fine. It's you wake back up and you have a head injury. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, good movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's oh, it's one of the things where if you if you if you like M Night Shyamalan when he's good, you'll like it. If you're someone who doesn't like his stuff, other than like the Sixth Sense, that you won't like it. But I'm someone who I like his stuff is obvious, and I like that. You know, he doesn't he's not a complicated guy. Anyway, um, so Sean's describing all this, and we learn that the dad tried to take his own life. He was so distraught about it, um, which is a really dark thing that they just throw in there. Um. Yeah, uh, I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, okay. I mean, they they had mentioned it earlier in the episode too. Yeah, yeah. 
But just these descriptions have Goss feeling a little queasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's not he's not doing well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that doesn't stop Sean from, you know, uh, g- explaining the whole situation. And, you know, he, he knows he can identify with the whole father-son relationship, the whole, you know, yeah. love-hate thing, mostly hate, I guess, in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, it mirrors his own situation. And it starts to lead to Callum McCollum. Callum? Callum Camden McCollum. Camden McCollum. Yeah, my big thing too is that I just, one of my best friends, Michael Springthorpe, whoever, you know, you know, uh, I saw a knock at the cabin with him and his boyfriend, and his boyfriend's name is Callum, and so the fact that I just, that was this weekend, that's really fucking me up even more, because I just was with a Callum. Um, Anyway. Old Springy. uh, Shouts to Callum. Um, I hope he's doing well, probably in in his emergency room shift. Shouts to you. But anyway, um, so, as they're leaving, because they're getting, they basically get escorted out, um, Gus mentions that in the bathroom he saw a like a prescription for something that is used for dog bites. Turns out it wasn't sausages after all. Yeah, it looks like it was actual blood, and it was from. And we saw it like in the little in the in the yeah. description in the vision of the of the crime itself that the dog was outside going nuts. So it's pretty obvious that the father at some point yeah. tried to get the dog and bring it with him and he wasn't having it because he wouldn't leave his owner behind and as a result bit him. And that's why mm-hmm. he uh, had a bandage uh, that even like noticed that day that he was at the police station. Exactly. The first time. And so Sean's like, okay, we need to get this guy, you know, arrested. But he, he drops the lieutenant governor's name, you know. And what is it with lieutenant governors? And Monk, the lieutenant governor, is in cahoots with a terrorist to get uh, – no, what is it? No, it's that the lieutenant governor is a target of an assassination attempt by Dale the Whale. And this freaking Camden McCallum has the ear of the lieutenant governor. Um, so I think the moral of the story here is that um, not the lieutenant governors are bad, but know, just be suspicious. Be suspicious of, the, of your lieutenant governor whoever they are. Um Actually, who is the current lieutenant governor of New York? Because obviously Kathy Hockle was the uh, previous one. Uh, oh, obviously, yeah. Oh, oh, it's, oh, of course, it's Antonio Delgado. My apologies. He, my apologies. I, I, I liked him when he was a congressman. You know, good guy. Um, so and ours is Eleni Kunalakis. Kunalakis. Mm. Interesting. I never heard of. Uh, I'm assuming she, of her. Yes, and they're very Greek. Okay. Her, yeah. Her. Well, hey, Shasta, hey, nothing wrong with being very Greek. You know what's? You know what's? No, good no, no, no. Greek? A Greek. You ever go to a good Greek festival? <sighs> Love a Greek festival. Never. Oh, big fan. Um. So, uh, that's pie, that's Jake's recommendation of the week is Greek festival. <laughs> okay, good to know. I'll I'll, I'll pay attention. I mean, get fresh euros. Some you know Greek fried dough. Anyway, so they're calling the cops, but they can't call the cops on uh camden because he is a bigwig so they call the cops on themselves yes they call the cops on themselves because they need to put on a performance to just sell the whole thing so they do and the cops do show up and sure enough gus and sean get arrested for what essentially Mm -hmm. is what trespassing or something i have no idea yeah because they they were instructed not to be there it's private property they won't leave yeah but yeah, as Sean is being put in the car, he has a vision. 
Yeah, and he starts like throwing himself around and like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. doing that whole thing and basically performing like at a like a Southern Baptist like uh, you know, exorcism kind of mm-hmm. ritual. He's just throwing himself around. And he mentions that he sees a vision of a dog biting the intruder and and it checked the wrist, checked the fresh wound, blah blah blah. And the the police the interim police chief is there in the meantime, and you know, the father is kind of incredulous at the idea of accusations being thrown his way. Mm-hmm. And the police chief, for whatever reason, she she's interested. She's not she's yeah. not because yeah. Cause I think it's partially she's like, why not just now? Like, why not? Because the fact it's that he doesn't want to do it is very suspicious. I mean, you know, and so they end up uh you know, mentioning the the medication, uh, and then he's like, it was an accident, you know, it was, um, the whole thing, he, he breaks down and they got him. And so then we cut to the police station <laughs> and Sean barges in on a meeting with interim chief Vic, which is just rude. I, you don't do that. You knock. But then we learn Correct. she's having a meeting with one Henry Spencer. Yeah. He, he, you know. He, I guess they were talking about. She was checking his credentials, essentially checking his bona fides, mm-hmm. seeing like what, how long has he had these gifts for? Is he legit? Like, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. And you know, Sean has been describing it as like a lifelong gift that he's had in his life. And according to his father, he didn't get these gifts until he was eighteen. So yes, yeah, but that does not the surprise, the of course. Yeah, the surprise. You yeah. would think that he would give up the goods on him, but he doesn't. He covers for him. Yeah, he covers for him, and uh, you know that's good enough for the chief. And she's got, she's got another case for him, and away we yes. go. And that is not the case in the next episode. Uh, just FYI, but they then we then get a little scene between Henry and Sean, and then we cut to the end bit where they have their office, which also is not the same set that's used later. And eventually, too, the the reason why, if you're wondering, our logo is the color as it is, is that eventually the psych logo becomes green. I don't know why they changed it. I don't know why it was blue in the first place. But it is a the color palette for the show is bright green. Um, just a little FYI. And yeah, he convinces uh, Gus to work with him because he forged his name on the lease. Um, and uh, that, another great theme of the show is Sean is constantly doing things like that, you know you know, uh, taking loans out in Gus's name, uh, frauding him. <laughs> like, exactly. He's always defrauding Gus. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad friend, <laughs> but he's also a great friend. Like, that's the thing. Push and pull. And so, yes, they, uh, they leave and this, we're off to, and then the song starts playing, which is the theme song starting next episode. And we're okay. off in Cycland. So what did you think? Uh, okay. I mean, it was all right. You know, I gave it a seven and a half out of 10. Um, I think in, I think the monk pilot was so much better, but I agree. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, cause I honestly, the monk, the monk pilot was like, it was an amazing murder. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's going to be uh, anywhere near as grisly as uh, some of the monk cases were, went. But, no, you know it was a solid start. You know you had a good idea of how um, about Gus and Sean's relationship and how they like play off of each other, and that's a lot of fun. Um, I think that's the best part mm-hmm. of the episode. 
to be quite honest with you. I yeah. think I think that's probably going to be the best part of the series. That's my suspicion, but but yeah, it was good. It was a good it was a good start. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what else we get into. Uh, and I'll say that that is the only aspect that is basically the same as the rest of the show. And it's I think the show starts off a little bit slow. Like the first season is not. I, I think that like the first capital G great episode of the show is the first episode of season two. But I think there's a lot of good stuff in the first season. Um, but I think that it's one of those shows where, and I'd love to talk to the creator about this because I, I imagine this was the case, where like the show becomes feels so natural for everyone involved that you almost wonder if like they were kind of doing a more conventional show until they were like, oh wait, we can just do a full Twin Peaks parody. We can just do, uh, you know, we can make it our goal to have every cast member of the Breakfast Club in the show. Now they did, they fell one short, and they never got Emilio Estevez or spoil that for you. Um, but like little things like that, I do love. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for you to see it. Cause I, I just know that there's so much coming up later that is just good. It's in perfectly in the Venn diagram of things we love. Um, I mean, specifically the idea of trying to cast all four breakfast club members in your show. I mean, all five, that's funny. <laughs> like I don't really, you know, um, I've never seen that movie. It's Okay. I, it's one of those movies that, like, if I was 25 years older, I would like a lot more. But it just is... It's one of those movies where some of the... You know, like, those coming-of-age movies that are before your time, where a lot of the observations made feel very obvious, where it's like, yeah, uh, it would be nice if adults cared about us more. And growing up in the generation where adults maybe cared about us too much, that doesn't really resonate with me anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't... Yeah. I can't really relate to that. But anyway, uh, Anthony Michael Hall is incredible in it. And uh, he is in Psych at one point. Because he's not Emilio Estevez. Um, Was he ever on so, Who? Anthony Michael Hall? No. Um, he does. He is in Community and has one of my favorite lines of TV history where he says, hey, if they don't show up, we're going to Applebee's, right? Because I'm going to fight no matter what happens. Um, <laughs> so, right on. So that's the first episode of Psych. Uh, guys, uh, I'm setting up a Twitter account for the show. It's not working because Twitter is completely broken. I have tried to set it up twice, and both times I get the confirmation email, and I click the link, and it says error occurred. So it should Dude, be same with me. First, yeah, it should be at first psychpod at on twitter.com, but maybe not. Who knows? But you can follow me at the J Christie. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me at Andre Barrera, and we'll be back every uh tuesday and friday for the most part obviously there might be some times that we don't but we'll let you know um and yeah keep sticking around with us um like andre mentioned we might be a little bit rusty we'll get back in the swing of things you know be better at knowing how much of the plot we should and shouldn't recap etc etc but for andre Barrera, i've been jay christie thanks for listening